For some people, shopping for clothes can feel like a step into Dante's Inferno, all suffering and punishment. Even for those who enjoy the activity, it can be difficult to find clothes that fit well, with sizing seeming to be inconsistent. The data for size is the focus of this episode of Stats and Stories, where we explore the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics. I'm Rosemary Pennington. Stats and Stories is a production of Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media, Journalism and Film, as well as the American Statistical Association. Joining me is regular panelist John Baylor, Emeritus Professor of Statistics at Miami University. Our guest today is Jordi Prats. Prats studied biology at the University of Barcelona, where his interest for statistics was born. He then obtained his PhD at the Civil Engineering School of the Polytechnic University of Catalonia before becoming an environmental modeler, specializing in hydrology, freshwater ecology, and lake hydrodynamics. He's worked in the public and private sectors in France and Spain and has collaborated with significance since 2011, where he is now a member of the editorial board. He's written a two-part series for Significance about why it's so hard to find clothes that fit. Jordi, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for, for having me. It's a, it's a great honor to, to be here. How did you get interested in this issue of, of the fit of clothes? Well, it, it was uh, something that actually happened. It all started because my <laughs> My partner uh, told me about the, this uh, nice uh, show, TV show, the, the BBC, the Great British Swing Bee. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know if you know it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, well, uh, I started looking, uh, watching the, the the show, seeing how they made. I wanted to to do it too, and I started to investigate the in the match. And uh, well, at a certain point, I started taking classes on pattern making and, uh, and sewing. So it was a bit an extension of my my area of expertise. That's that's a great start. I I I didn't I wasn't guessing this was the path. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so this is this is really really interesting. And by the way, I'm still I'm still thinking about Rosemary's comment about trying on clothes being like going to Dante's vision of hell. It's I'm just, terrible. I'm just wondering <laughs> which terrible. circle this is. Uh, uh, so, you know, as you as you went through this this article, one one thing that really that really jumped out to me was your reporting of a a, a 2008 study that said that 40 percent of Spanish women had problems finding fitting garments. And they were, you know, mainly because they're too small was what you had reported. And that, that you're saying that other studies have suggested that clothing is, that ready-to-wear clothing is designed to fit only 65 to 85 percent. Could, you know, could you talk a little bit about some of the, the you know, how did you start digging into the, these data and, and, you know, come up with some of these these reported values? Well, um, it was a, a long search, actually. First, I started looking for for patent uh, pattern making manuals. Uh, I looked in the past, in the 18th century, 17th century, 19th century. I see what what is that uh, people were doing then, and how this 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 evolved. And at certain point, I I found that the, there were. Um, new technologies to take measurements of, of people, uh, 3D measurements, uh, 3D, 
3D scanning uh, tools where people were uh, a garment uh, covered the, the body and then they, they were measurements of, of different parts to reconstruct the, the, three, the 3D uh, shape. And there have been many studies uh, of this, this type uh, in the UK, in the USA, in, in Spain too. And, and the study, the 2008 studies, uh, one of these, they measured uh, thousands of, of women. And uh, they also made a survey. They asked a series of, of questions in relation with, with the measurements. And uh, one of the results was, was this, that uh, many, many women had problems to, to, to find a fitting garment. But one should, should say that it's not exclusive of, of women, this, this problem. It happens to, to men too. So, how do, how do manufacturers figure out what the sort of standards around their sizing is going to be? Like, how do they decide, like, this is a medium, this is a large? Like, what is the process? Um, and sort of what did you learn about that process as you were working on this article? Well, what they learned is that they, they usually have a, have a public, uh, a target public. Uh, I looked at set uh, different uh, brands and and also a uh, different pattern making uh, magazines, you know, magazines that, that sell patterns to to make clothes. And I noticed that they have uh, different publics. Some, uh, for example, in magazines, I found that there were some of them who catered more for for the average women, while while there were other ones that. Uh, were more direct, directed to, to slim women. And however, what I didn't find is uh, magazines or, or brands that, uh, that were dedicated to, the, to people with uh, most unusual measurements, mm -hmm. larger sizes. Uh, in, in fact, I started this, uh, looking at this uh, some years ago and one of the brands I, I looked, they didn't have uh, large sizes uh, last year, but this year, before publishing the, the article, they, they had. Mm -hmm. this, there has been a, an evolution to, to include larger sizes, but they, they, know the, they don't arrive to the, to the most unusual, either because they, they are too, lar too large on one side or too small on the other, so I, I'd like to, to to have you just tell us a little bit about the history here. I mean, that's that's one thing I really liked about this this uh, significant paper of yours, and and this idea of of that that there was this ready to wear idea of clothing manufacturer that emerged with the idea of targeting certain sizes and then what what's called pattern grading. So can you just just give us a little bit of a a history lesson? Yeah. Well. Um... Well, at the beginning, uh, tailors were well, just they just uh, made uh, clothes to to measure, they took the measurements of the their clients, and then they they made the, the clothes uh, to fit them. However, sometimes it happened that they had a request that uh, came by by mail, or the client was not there, so they. They started devising systems so that with uh, only a measurement, say the, 
the circumference of, of the chest, they could uh, still draw the the full the, the, the full pattern for the for the full garment. Now the the problem is that uh, well, there's a lot of variability in the in the human body, and what they did is well, they is what they could at the moment is just uh, use a proportionality rule. Assume that if the chest circumference increases in a certain uh, proportion, all the other measurements would uh, increase in, in the same proportion. Mm. Now, this is true for 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 a little proportion of the of the population, but but not for for everyone. So and like this, they knew that it didn't work uh, every time. They knew that there, there were problems. And uh, during all the 19th century, the manual after manual of, of uh, pattern making that uh, says, no, we do it better, we do it more scientifically, our methods are more geometrical, uh, etc. But they, they did just uh, little, little improvements. See, we take uh, an extra measurement here or we use a different constant of proportionality. So uh, in the end, in the beginning of the 20th century, it was still a, a problem. And it was when, well, when there were the, the first uh, systematic measurements to, to obtain data in order to, to be able to develop a more rational uh, sizing system. And it was, in fact, at the First World War, when uh, soldiers were coming back from, from Europe to the United States, many of them were, were measured. So the, the, the army could know which, which was the variability in the, in the man population. And so they could prepare the, the sizes for, for soldiers. Now, uh, this was made for, for men. But for, for women, uh, there was no study until many years later. Mm. And, and, and the same for, for children. But mm. uh, well, then the, there was a, a study by, by O'Brien. In fact, it, there were two, two studies, one for, for children and one for women, where they, they also uh, took uh, a, large, <clears throat> a large number of, of women and children to take measurements. And then they, they analyzed statistically the, the data to see which were the, the measurements that best describe how the, the body size uh, increased. So, so we, we saw this, there was this evolution from tailor-made kind of made to order to proportionality rules that weren't quite there. And then finally, someone started to measure some data on on body parts and relationships to body parts that that kind of informed this and the, the fact that this was kind of inspired by needing to mass produce uniforms for armies seemed to drive a lot of this early on yeah in fact uh, the the industrial it didn't have the this uh this request for for ready-made garments the they didn't start to doing this uh, at scale. Mm -hmm. So, for example, it it, it started uh, a bit earlier with the um, 
after industrial revolution when they were the first uh, department stores who, which in fact it was some of the first examples of uh, fast fashion also fast and cheap fashion because they they needed to to sell a lot of product at uh, at at a fast pace so mm -hmm. uh, and this is something that uh, a bit uh, popularized the the idea of uh, buying ready made instead of uh, of made to to measure and and yeah and and it is important also for the for the uh, for the army because uh, if you you have to to work in training conditions you need to to do it well to mm -hmm. you know to to take off comfortably you're listening to stats and stories and today we're talking with Jordi Prats about the statistics of fit the point you make about sort of this being an early form of kind of fast fast fashion made me sort of um, zoom to the present moment and think about all of these different brands and department stores that have sort of popped up that are designed to cater to sort of fast fashion tastes. You know, online there's like the, the Shine, which is a retailer. There's H&M and, and other sort of stores like that Primark, which are producing these sort of um, articles of clothes that are meant to sort of appeal to a mass audience, but also in the hopes that, you know, in a year from now, you'll be back buying something else, right? Like that turnover. The interesting thing that I sort of have found in sort of visiting these places is that the size, sizing them between these places is never the same. So I might be one size in one place and then one size in another. And I wonder as you were doing your research into this issue of sizing, sort of what you found around um, this inconsistency in sizing between stores why there's not sort of a standard like this is what one this particular size means well in fact there are some some standards the problem is the industry doesn't doesn't use it oh well mm. <laughs> okay <laughs> in fact the, the O'Brien study it, it was a study to propose a, a standard a measuring standard for the US and it was proposed and several standards were proposed afterwards. But uh, since it's not op, uh, an obligation, then uh, each maker it uses uh, the sizing grades that uh, are more, more appropriate for their target population. And then there's uh, this, this concept is known as vanity sizing. Yeah. Ah. So that... Uh, one uh, maker can get uh, more, uh, can sell more clothes because uh, they they selling you a, a smaller size, but they, which in reality is, is not smaller, but it's it's the same. So this uh, this sort of competitive adaptation that uh, that makes them uh, tweak the the sizes uh, to ma to make them appear more. Uh, more desirable, uh, I would say. That's interesting because for years I was the same size, even though my body changed over time. And I was like, this can't be right, but I'm going <laughs> to keep buying these clothes. <laughs> yeah. You know, as you're talking about this, I, not, not sure, I'm trying to think about whether my own vanity sizing has applied. I, I'm, I'm trying <laughs> to see if that is a is something I've experienced looking for clothes. I, you know, so one of the things is, as I was looking through the your, your article, you're talking about how kind of the proportionality method was was in part rejected because of, of 
regression and that that Galton's findings helped with with addressing this and that you know this there's this movement of moving from kind of a single variable that might characterize a, a sizing strategy for ready-to-made clothes to mo to a couple of variables based on you know which are providing kind of uncorrelated but important information can can you talk a little bit about you know how how that evolved yeah so uh it was uh, Adolf de, de Kitteret who, who made the first systematic studies of the of the measurements of the of the human body of the whole human body, and well, he thanks to, to these uh, studies he he proposed uh, in part in part thanks to these studies he proposed the, the normal distribution, the fact mm -hmm. that the the measurements of uh, of a body, they they follow uh, a Bell's uh, sort of Bell distribution, where uh, he he said that the the ideal the ideal size would be that, that the one that was in the middle, the the average, while those that were farther from from the the center were uh, due to two errors in the in God's panel, one could say. So there was uh, first this thing that there was the the average that mm -hmm. was important. However, uh, he started also looking at the relation between the, the body parts, and uh, he saw that uh, well, the, they didn't increase at the same rate as they would increase according to a proportionality rate. Later, uh, Galton he he also saw well, he studied more in uh, in depth the, this thing. In fact, he he was uh, studying a couple of, of questions uh, related to to forensics uh, and also to, to anthropology. Because when when anthropologists uh, discovered a body, they well, they didn't have all the, the full body. They had uh, maybe a, a bone from from the thigh or, or whatever. And they hate to to estimate uh, how tall it was or or, or the age, and uh, then he 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 wondered if knowing just one one measurement one could estimate the the rest of the, of the measurements. That was uh, the a bit uh, the idea that um, made his thing of, of correlation. Mm -hmm. So so I'm curious as as you worked on this. What was the biggest surprise for you? Well, maybe the, the fact that year, uh, year after year in the 19th century, uh, Taylor's continued saying our, our method is better, our, our method is more mathematical, more, more rational. And in the end, it didn't uh, improve very much. And, and also the fact that uh, up to this moment, uh, the, the, the situation hasn't improved that that much uh, even, but okay because there is a, a lot of um, using tending to use always the, the same methods and not tending to to change them. But there there has been another another phenomenon that uh, has made the, the problems worse, which is that at the same time that the pattern making methods slowly evolve, the the size of the or measurements of population also also increase with with time, so we mm -hmm. we tend to to be taller or we 
we tend we tend to be bigger, we tend to be more more diverse too. Mm -hmm. And there's a mix of, of several populations. So we have much more variability now than there was when when Taylor's used the, the proportionality methods uh, 200 years ago. I love in the article where you mentioned um, Gulliver's Travels. That was uh, one of my favorite stories as a kid. So I just really, I was like, oh, yes, I remember that scene from the book. I wonder, you mentioned a little earlier that that there are these standards that exist that retailers don't want to use um, because they can sell more if they can sort of outside them. I wonder, given sort of this discussion that has sort of burbled up, in the fashion community around sort of fast fashion, the problems associated with it, as well as sort of like this problem of sizing and fit, whether there is sort of in the work that you've done, whether you found any evidence that maybe there's a desire to move towards some more um, standard size in order to sort of um, not turn away customers, right? Because it does feel like frustration around clothing, shopping for clothes often is centered on this this inability to find clothes that fit. Uh, what, what I have seen is that there is a, a request for, for a wider range of, of, of sizes that, that's obvious. I, I have also seen that the, there are several plants that, uh, well, that tend to, to increase the, the range of sizes. There are also uh, some plants that are dedicated only to, to large sizes. But I can also see that, uh, let's say, the, the average behavior is uh, it's like playing safe. So you you make your garments for the for the center of the distribution, mm -hmm. where you know that it's 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 more difficult to to go wrong because there is uh, less variability. Mm -hmm. When you go far from 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 it, you, you don't know why why it is. It may be that. Uh, your shoulders are wider than the average, or it, it may be that your hips are wider than the average, or it may or it may be that you, your waist measurement is wider than the average, or it may be because you're, you're tall or you're shorter. There's uh, a lot of reasons that can make a, a, a garment not, not to fit. So it's it's much easier to make a garment fit when you are in uh, near the center of the distribution that, that when you are part. In your paper, as you were as you're just finishing it up, you talk about the problem of dimensions. And an aspect of this, you said that the problem that really fitting comes down to identifying and representing the human body in some model in terms of some variables or dimensions. You know, and this minimum number of dimensions that kind of captures as much of the variability in the population you're trying to model. Granted that the human population is probably a mixture of, of different populations. But but for the sake of this 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 question, if you're focusing on a single population, what what do you think the future is of uh, trying to capture this model for human size in the smallest smallest number of variables that can be used to represent and then provide a model for fitting? Well in fact part of this I I, I work on on my second uh paper on the subject with which has not appeared yet yeah john is trying to give, <laughs> give too much away <laughs> oh, man. Well, so we got to have you mark calendar for a return visit well uh, i'd be happy 
Um, in fact, uh, one possibility is, uh, well, quite obvious, would be using a principal component analysis. Uh, so you can select which are the, the variables that uh, explain the most of the variability. And well, I have I have seen a, a master studies that uh, did uh, something like this, and I am sure that uh, whichever brand that is interested uh, has already done it. For example, there was some years ago uh, a lingerie brand. It was uh, Third Love, I think, who made measurements of of, uh, of many women, also using 3D scanning, and they they proposed. Well, a more appropriate sizing system, but then they they, they also identified nine types of um, of body of chest uh, chest uh, morphology, and uh, for each of, of them they could uh, recommend different types of uh, of lingerie. Mm -hmm. So that that uh, so that there are some things that are, are being done. And then there's there's another trend, although it's not. Uh, I think it's not much uh, common, not very common, which is already selling things adapted to the to your own sizes. So if you if you can uh, measure, you can give you your measurements uh, on some way. Say for example, the, there is an app where you can take a, a photo, a photo, or, or uh, two photos. And then it estimates your, your measurements, so you can send this to the to the production uh, center, and then uh, make the garments just adapted to 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 yourself. It, it takes more time, it takes more, more time to to get the product, but uh, but then you you lose less time in going going in search of. Uh, of your garment, yeah. and well, that that would also reduce uh, unsold garments because you only produce uh, what you what you use. Yeah. So that, uh, that's a, 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 a possible feature, but possibly. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode of Stats and Stories, Jordi. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Uh, well, happy to be here. Great fun. Stats and Stories is a partnership between Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media, Journalism and Film and the American Statistical Association. You can follow us on Twitter at Stats and Stories, Apple Podcast, or other places where you find podcasts. If you'd like to share your thoughts on the program, send your email to statsandstories at miamioh.edu or check us out at statsandstories.net. And be sure to listen for future editions of Stats and Stories, where we discuss the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics.